0: Uh, th- playoffs don't talk about it. playoffs you kidding me playoffs
1: ladies and gentlemen what is up coming to you from the Cosa Nostra Studios. I'm Maddie Buller. And thank you for tuning in to Almost Wise Guys, episode 20. This is our look at the upcoming NFC and AFC championship games this weekend. And this podcast is available in every country on earth, even in the ones that are shitholes. In just a moment, we'll get to the news of the week. But first, with me, as always, from Almost Wise Guys Central is Andy, the prognosticator, Atridge. How are you today, buddy? I'm doing quite well, thank you. Uh,
2: really looking forward to this weekend. With the conference championships, I often refer to that as the best weekend in football, better than the Super Bowl. You can make the argument that last weekend was probably the best weekend in football because it was very entertaining. Um, Amazing. We went... It was, uh, that was a lot of fun to watch those games. It was a lot of fun. The only um, snoozer it, was the Pats
1: game. That was it.
2: Yeah, well, we can go into more detail on why that was a bit later. Um, we picked... Yeah, we're two and two again, so nothing... Uh, Nothing to write home about, nothing to apologize for, but, um, and, you know, everyone's by now seen the games, or at least seen the highlights, um, so we're not going to go into those too much, but a couple things to note. First off, with the Jaguars, who could have ever thought that they would put up 45 points with Blake Bortles under center, and allow 42 with one of the best defenses in the league against the Steelers? I'll tell you who. Jacksonville defensive end Calais Campbell at a Sunday's game, Campbell told reporters he didn't care how the jags won as long as it happened. I'll take 2 to nothing or 45 to 42 if it comes that way. As long as we win, I'm happy, Campbell said. Like that's unreal. Only twice before in the history of the NFL have games fallen on those numbers, 45 to 42 and he called it. So, that being said, I think he also said that they were going to win this weekend against the pats. So, again, spoiler alert. Um. Yeah, and as far as Pittsburgh goes, I, dude, man, I don't know what they were doing. Um, you saw the game. Um, I heard a guy reference this this week. He said <laughs> a drunk guy playing Madden could have managed the clock better than Mike Tomlin did.
1: That's pretty apropos quote.
2: <laughs> yeah, uh, like I, a lot of the play calling, it was just okay. It's fourth and one. Why are you pitching the ball back six yards? Why are you dropping back? Um, you've got Le'Veon Bell and also a guy under center named Big Ben. It's not Little Ben, it's Big Ben. So like lean forward for six inches.
1: Yeah, I'm sure his body can handle the quarterback sneak.
2: Well, and that's the thing, right? So he's asked after the game, and I'm going to get this quote. He was speaking on uh, 93.7, the fan in Pittsburgh. He said that the team's long running aversion to running sneaks is coach Mike Tomlin's decision. And that he doesn't even have the freedom to check to a quarterback sneak because we don't have that if we're not in the huddle. I truly have never said I don't want to run it, Roethlisberger said, who added that Tomlin laughs when he lobbies to run a quarterback draw. I've asked for it. I'm fine with it. They want to call it. I'm all for it. Like, it doesn't make sense to me. Wow.
1: Quarterback Uh, throwing his head coach under the bus too. Ouch. Also, the stupid calls for Pittsburgh, they kind of continued after the game because, uh, uh, they hang 42 points on mm-hmm. one of the best defenses in the league and turn around and fire their offensive coordinator.
2: <laughs> I mean, well, too many bar fights, too many bar fights.
1: Yeah, yeah, that. And I know that Roethlisberger doesn't like them, but, uh, you know, obviously that was a political firing because 42 points, you should be going to the championship game.
2: Oh, well, of course. I mean, if I would have asked you before the game guaranteed that they're gonna, that you're going to score 42 points Pittsburgh Steelers uh what are the odds going to be on that that they would actually lose to Blake Bortles but bottom line Jacksonville beat Pittsburgh cuz they're a better team you know Steelers yeah they, they've branded well everyone knows they've won more super bowls than anyone else in the history of the world but Jacksonville is just simply a better team and they won so we're going to see them again this week
1: Well, let's get to the news of the week,
2: shall we? San Francisco's linebacker, Reuben Foster, was arrested Friday in Alabama on a possession of marijuana charge, according to the records from Tuscaloosa County and Sheriff's Office. He was released from jail after posting a $2,500 bond. The second degree marijuana possession charge is considered a Class A misdemeanor in Alabama. Foster was selected 31st overall by the 49ers last year. He was considered a top target but slid down the draft board because of character issues. He was, in fact, sent home from the draft combine for arguing with a hospital worker during his physical.
1: Have you played for the San Francisco 49ers, which, last I checked, is located in California where the weed is legalized? Why the hell would you go back home to that shithole state whose laws would make you think it's 1955? Although, hey, it's a great place if you've got an attractive cousin you'd like to marry.
2: Bradley Byrne says he's one
1: of us. But the record don't bear that out none. He says that the Earth rotates on an axis. What? And calls having a baby with a
2: blood relative ill-advised.
0: And if that don't be all, he believes that tiny, invisible animals cause disease?
2: Call Bradley Byrne.
0: And tell him where he can stick his fancy high school diploma.
1: (laughs) This past week, Donald Trump held a press conference with the Norwegian Prime Minister in which he talked glowingly about the sale of F-52s to Norway. Unfortunately for Trump, F-52s only exist in the video game Call of Duty Advanced Warfare. Not in real life. This guy's a liar. I don't think Donald Trump could spell cat if you spotted him the C and the A at this point. Next thing you know, Lockheed Martin's going to convince him to spend some money on this new futuristic ship they call the Millennium Falcon. Rumor has it, it can
2: make the Kessel Run in 12 parsecs.
0: Why you said
2: it, Chewie. And since kids today are a few positions short of a full roster, they're doing something called the Tide Challenge. This is where a teenage moron gets dared by his idiot friends to put a Tide Pod in his mouth and bite down. Too bad for these tools that it's poison and all you win is a trip to the hospital or the morgue. In fact, it's so bad that Tide had to team up with Rob Gronkowski to put out the viral message that it's not okay to eat Tide Pods. No, 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 no. What the heck is going on, people? Use Tide Pods for washing, not eating.
1: And next thing you know, Elmer's School Glue is going to have to team up with the 2017 Cleveland Browns to bring you the after-school special titled, Only Losers Eat Paste.
0: Doctor said I wouldn't have so many nosebleeds if I kept my finger out
1: of there. Let's fire it up with our weekly picks. Well, and we're heading to New England for the first game where the upstart Jags are coming into Foxborough with dreams of the Super Bowl gleaming in their eyes. But uh, they've got to get by a Patriots team that's known for owning the moment. Just last weekend, we were thinking that 13.5 points were a little too much for the Pats to cover at home. Tom Brady must have heard us, and made a bulletin board material for the week, and then on game day said, hold my avocado and quinoa smoothie. <laughs> do you think the Jags can pull off what so many have failed to do?
2: Well, I'm at least going to make an argument for it uh, before we have our official pick. Um, Tom Brady, as we've seen, has been beaten twice in the Super Bowl by one team, the New York Giants, uh, who had one coach for both games, and that was Tom Coughlin who is now the executive vice president for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Now, there's also a great argument to be put in place for for the Patriots to win. Um, Brady's actually never lost to the Jags um, in seven games. Uh, The Patriots are 28-8 against the spread in their last 36 games overall. Here's an interesting one. The Patriots are 14-0 in the playoffs against teams that they didn't play in the regular season. Now, uh, recent statistics show that uh, the Pats are 5-0 against the spread in their last five at home. And another interesting stat, teams that play on Saturday in the divisional round are 13-3 on Championship Sunday since the 2009 season. Now, when you think about this game and you're trying to figure out ways that Jacksonville could win or or how it's going to unfold, you first got to think, well, who's going to cover Gronk? Uh, The answer is probably no one in particular. On the surface, it would make sense for Jalen Ramsey to have such an assignment, but they stay in that cover three defense almost continuously. If it's third down, Gronk's lined up wide, then Ramsey may have a chance to cover them, but otherwise they're just going to leave it to their safeties for this. Uh, How do you think that the Jags are going to handle Gronk?
1: I don't know how anybody handles Gronk quite like. I mean, this guy probably can't even get covered by his chick with a condom because
2: he rides bareback. Like he's uncoverable. Ding ding saucer. So yeah, you'd I mean, almost need to stick stick two guys on him, but yeah, yeah it, you know they're gonna get him the ball unless he ex- drops it, exactly. which is not a game plan.
1: When when we used to go up against excellent receivers or, or guys that were physical forces back in college, we always used to say they're gonna get theirs. But try to knock down a few of them, especially a few of the key ones. You know, like those third downs. Don't let Gronk beat you for that third down to turn it into a first. Make someone else beat you. Now, I mean, that someone else
2: is Tom Brady. So. Yeah, That's know, the other problem. Brandon Cooks or Danny Amendola yeah. or Deion Lewis. Or, I mean, the so list goes on. They, they got a few weapons.
1: And, and the one thing about Belichick is he never lets any one guy truly get too much power. His game plan isn't about, oh, we need to get so-and-so X number of touches. It's we play to win against whatever team we're playing. So he just takes what's open.
2: Well, and going back to Tom Coughlin, the way that he beat Brady and the Patriots in the Super Bowl was they got to Brady they got to Brady um, and the Jags front four I think is probably the best in the league on defense much um, much like that old Giants D line well absolutely and you know what last week I was watching that I was watching the Jags game and I think it was either late in the second quarter or the beginning of the um, second half and they announced that the Jags hadn't blitzed once. But they were getting that much pressure on Roethlisberger just with the front four, which opens up so many different defensive schemes for them. When you got seven other guys that can, you know, well, they do that cover three. But, I mean, <laughs> they can cover pretty much everyone on the field at that point.
1: Well, and they've got an uh, excellent secondary, right? This is the other thing. And that's why well, I'm saying if they can get a few guys to just get a hand on the ball mm-hmm. and 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 disrupt Gronk. And also... Uh, what we used to say with like, tight ends and slot back is never let him get a free release, right? Yep. If you're a linebacker that's blitzing or you're staying home in his zone, you better make sure you chuck that guy before he you know, goes around you. You want to give him a nice shot. Disrupt that pattern in case it's a timing route.
2: But- well, all right, so let's go back to the game against Tennessee in Foxboro last week. There was three plays. I think all of them were in the first half that just prove, I don't know if this is a conspiracy thing, But you've got New England, I I think they were on their own 10-yard line, Um, and it was fourth down, and they were going to punt, and there was a flag called for a false start. Well, of course, the refs get together, they talk about it. It wasn't a false start. It was encroachment on the defense. First down. Neat. Then Eric Decker, on third down play, um, was called for pass interference, just like you said. I think his sleeve brushed against Malcolm Butler, uh, but they certainly threw the flag and lost it down. And then very the very last play, or the se- sorry, the second-to-last play in the first half, the Patriots were trying to drive down into field goal range. Amendola grabs one over the middle, and the clock just miraculously stays at one second, just long enough for them to get a field goal attempt.
1: You know what that last one reminded me of before you go Boy. on? Was the old school Montreal Canadiens like from back in the '40s through like the '60s, where like they did all those clock shenanigans and stuff like that? If the Habs were down, it's the exact same thing. The Pats do it. I I know they jack with the clock, and there's something about referees when they go into Foxborough, especially where the Pats always get the benefit of the doubt.
2: Oh, it's it's just a rule. It's written up. Um, you know the Jags. Obviously, if they're going to win, Leonard Fournette has to have a big day. Um, so, Vegas has set this game at uh, at minus nine for the Patriots. But let's take a look at one prop bet that's kind of telling in terms of the way Vegas bookmakers think this might unfold. So, the team to have the most rushing yards, they put the Pats at plus 100, they put the Jags at minus 137. So, obviously, they think the Jags are going to have more rushing yards than the Patriots will. And this isn't for one player. This is an entire team stat. So, if the Jags are going to have more rushing yards than the Patriots, it's likely that they're not playing Mm -hmm. catch-up. And they've got Brady posted about 50 yards uh, passing more than Blake Bortles, which kind of makes sense because it's Blake Bortles. But Brady doesn't typically have big passing days unless they're playing from behind, like last year's Super Bowl. Yep. So if they can contain, if they can contain the middle of the field, that is the Jaguars' defense. It's going to really disrupt Brady's rhythm, and that's where he's going to have his successes between the hash marks. Um, if he's got to go to the outside with those defensive backs, it's not going to be a winning battle for him.
1: Well, you got to think that this is going to be like the reverse Parcells uh, defense, the one that Parcells used on the Bills, where <laughs> he wanted to make Thurman Thomas beat them. I think in this case, Belichick's going to try to make uh, Leonard Fournette neutralized and make Blake Bortles beat him. And if you're a smart defensive coach, that's what you got to do. Bortles is really the one that can be up and down. He's the one that you can possibly get a couple turnovers from.
2: So do you remember who the defensive coordinator was that came up with that uh, game plan against Colonel Thomas? That would be Bill Belichick. That's right. He goes into the locker room at halftime of that Super Bowl against the Bills, and he said he said to his defensive players, who here wants to win the, the Super Bowl? And they kind of look at him funny. He says, no, seriously, who who here wants to win the game? So Pepper Johnson put up, puts his hand up, and he goes, I do, coach. He goes, all right, this is how we're going to do it. You're going to let Thurman Thomas get three or four yards every play. Take the run and shoot out of Jim Kelly's hands. Forget the K-gun. We're going to let them think that they can run the football, and that's what they did all second half. Maybe they'll let Lauren Fordhead do that. Yeah. Maybe Vegas us know something that we don't. Uh, interesting. And then, what uh, the to- they- oh, go that- ahead. Please go ahead. No, I just say the total of this game is at uh, is at forty six, and I think you know people looked at the scoreboard last week with Jacksonville and and Pittsburgh. I, I think this is this is high, and I don't see it coming down either. I think uh, I think I think the public money is going to come in on the over, and this is either going to stay at 46 or go up to maybe 46 and a half or 47. But I think, uh, I think the under is the best bet on that one. I,
1: I also think that um, not enough people are making enough stink about the way New England played defense at the beginning of the year. I oh, know, absolutely. I know that recently they've been playing better. Yep. But that Pats team is from this year. That happened the first sure. five games of the year. They were just disgustingly awful. Yeah. Who's to say that that's the Pats D that doesn't show up? Like, I don't think Jacksonville's getting enough credit here. Mm-hmm. I think the Pats, it's not that they're getting too much credit. It's just that at this point in their dynasty, they almost get the benefit of the doubt. <laughs> so, well, I, sure. I, but I, you know, Andy, I, I don't want to count the Jags out. I, I think I, I definitely believe that they're going to cover the
2: spread this week. Oh, I think so too. I mean, people look at uh, Week Seventeen when the Jags played my Forty ers and Garoppolo threw forty-four on them, but they were in the, they were locked into the third seed. They had nothing to play for, nothing whatsoever. Yeah. Just stay healthy. So that game goes out the window. It kind of skews their defensive numbers a little bit, but um, they are, you know, top three defenses in the league for sure. Uh, certainly, top two in terms of the uh, defensive secondary.
1: Yeah, if they get Brady on the run. This could be an interesting game, and they, if they get Brady on the run enough, and he's not able to set and and get his reads in, they could not just cover the spread;
2: they'd be able to win outright. Yeah, and another thing about this—the the number nine—because uh, we've seen it a couple times already in the playoffs. That's teaser protection. That's yeah. teaser protection. So you, no one's getting the uh, no one's getting the Patriots at under a field goal. So it's probably artificially inflated a little bit. Um but what would I expect to be a relatively low scoring game, that's a pretty that's a pretty big number. So I guess the official pick is the Jacksonville Jaguars.
1: All right, Philly fan, you did it. You guys are at home hosting the Minnesota Vikings and your three point dogs again. You get no respect, eh? No no
2: respect. No respect, eh? wow what a game in minnesota i'm yeah, still shaking my head man
1: one of the all-time but, nfl films type moments uh we and i feel bad about for, that on the phone last night
2: yeah i mean we i, I felt so bad for marcus williams because that kid he you know he I played really well all season long and for his career to be defined by that one play which you know it will be just like bill buckner's was yeah right um and it just, yeah, he's going to see that on a highlight reel till the end of time. Especially well, as, as a former was,
1: safety, we've all been beat deep. You know, yeah. people in glass houses don't throw stones. So I, I don't like those keep your head up jokes and stuff like that. You know, no, it's, no, no. I think um, he made a bad play. Mm-hmm. And uh, what I loved about the kid was after the game, and this is what shows you what kind of character he had. He stayed and answered all the questions, even yep. though just minutes before he was in tears in his locker but he didn't throw one of those little childish hissy fits and storm out of the building without answering. He talked to everybody who wanted to talk to him. And his main message was that happened. It hurts, but I'm going to move on and I'm going to learn from it. And guys with character like that can bounce back.
2: Yeah. Take note of that cam Newton. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, one thing I was really happy to see was, uh, was Bud Grant in in the crowd guys, 89 years old. I almost had a heart attack watching that. I can't, I can't imagine what that would have done to him. Yeah. Uh, that was, uh, that was cool. And you know, uh, it just, Joe Buck, I don't, I don't know, man, that guy just bugs me. And I'll tell you why. <laughs> I'll tell you why. It, it's I'll because the, go- his
1: voice is the same. If he's announcing a boring play as if he's announcing like the biggest play ever.
2: Right. <laughs> and he actually said, well, let me get the quote right here. Um, so, Obviously, the closing line on that game was five and a half. Um, after Diggs got the touchdown, Minnesota's up by five. By NFL rules, you have to attempt the, the PAT for the extra point. Joe Bucks says the most anticlimactic play in the history of the NFL was that PAT. Uh, excuse me. There was probably about 15, 20 million people with money on that game that that PAT affected.
1: Oh, and they were just gripping right until the,
2: it cleared the uprights. Well, no, 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 it was a no, they knelt down, right? Oh yeah. They knelt down. You probably don't remember it cuz it happened like 8 That's minutes right. after the touchdown. They actually had to call back guys um, from the dressing room of the Saints just to just to get enough guys on the line of scrimmage and That's they knelt right. down and no, no point attempt was actually made, but Joe Buck just doesn't realize if he doesn't even know what the spread of the game is, he's either unaware or he's in I don't know, denial mode where the NFL can't even refer to betting odds. Uh, Just silly. But anyway, um, obviously a very sharp line on that game um, coming down to the half point. Yep. Um, This game, too, sharp line. Well, it started at three and a half, Um, now it's down to three.
1: It's tough. But it's 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 tough. Let let me help you make a game for, or make make the case for Philly, another dog. First of all, they're the home team. And Philly Mm -hmm. fan is crazy, like legitimately crazy.
2: We saw those dog masks they're wearing,
1: right? Exactly. And that is, uh, I don't care who you are. When you're an opposing player and you go into that, that's got to weigh a a little bit on your psyche.
2: Oh, yeah. That's like Hannibal lecture. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Philly's Philly's defense is great. Uh, Better than Atlanta's and better than (laughs) New Orleans. So Minnesota's definitely going to have their hands full uh just m- moving the ball downfield. now they got a good th- good offensive squad, and minnesota's defense is no slouch either, but the no, Eagles and he, he, at home three point underdogs they got that bulletin board material again, and they're angry about it and There's something to be said for you know lighting a fire under a pro pro athlete's ass
2: oh for sure well let's I'll, I'll give you a couple uh, throw a few numbers out here in terms of the defensive rankings so in terms of opposing rushing yards per game philly's defense ranked number one vikings defense ranked number two opponents third down conversions per game vikings ranked number one eagles ranked number two defensive time of possession as a percentage of the game philly ranked number one vikings ranked number two Um, and lastly yards allowed per game minnesota number one Philly slipping all the way down to the number four spot at 305. But you can see that they're very evenly matched up. Um, You know, Nick Foles is getting a lot of heat because he's not Carson Wentz. Nick Foles, I don't care if it's Nick Rhodes. This team is defined by their defense. Sorry, was that a very obscure Duran Duran reference? Well, my point is, it doesn't matter who's under center for them. As long as the guy doesn't make mistakes... Um, this team is about defense, rushing the ball. I know I sound like a broken record. Um, and Minnesota's using the same formula. Case Keenum, I, I don't remember one pass that he made last week where he actually planted his foot. He was throwing off his back foot the whole time, including the the only touchdown of that he threw of the whole game in the, of the last play.
1: Yeah. Right? He just threw kid. it up there. He's a tough kid, man. He's staying in that pocket, uh, when he needs to.
2: Well, he is, but I mean, he's not, uh, well, he's not, he's not going to put on a clinic, that's for sure. But oh, uh, no. as long as he doesn't throw any picks, I mean, this is going to be a defensive battle, it's, and it's kind of neat. Um, going to throw out some betting trends for you. Um, I don't put a lot of credibility in long-term betting trends, almost none. But if you're watching the game with a buddy, throw these out. Maybe uh, get a bit of a wow factor. So the Vikings, in the last 14 games against the Eagles, are 3-11 against the spread. The Eagles are 7-1 both straight up and against the spread in their last eight at home against Minnesota. The Vikings are 3-10 against the spread as a playoff road team since 1998. And Maddie, how many times have the Vikings been road favorites since 1980? Oh, I,
1: have, I don't think they have been.
2: Uh, once. And it was in 2011 to the Giants team that we spoke about earlier. They ended up losing 41 nothing. Wow. Philly has been home dogs in the playoffs three times since 1980. Guess what? They won outright all three games, including last week. So you've got uh, a home team dog who's used to playing outside in cold weather and a dome team coming in off a huge emotional win. I think th- th- just emotionally speaking, I think it it's tipped in favor of Philly.
1: Yeah, if I was to sing a song about this weekend,
2: it would be called Dogs on Film. Yes, that would make sense. Dogs on Film. I like that. All right, so are we in agreement?
1: We're in agreement. I think we should go Philly, buddy.
2: All right, go Eagles.
1: Right, it's playoff time, and we haven't had a chance to find out what the president of the United States thinks about everything. We, it's been a couple weeks since we brought out POTUS picks. See, the president's been busy, you know, investigating which countries he's calling shitholes and which ones he isn't. So we're gonna dial up the White House right now with our hotline and uh, get President Trump on the phone. And uh, Mr. President. You've made your opinions on Haiti and African countries very clear this past week. Would you use the same rhetoric in referring to bottom-feeding NFL teams like the Browns, Giants,
2: and Colts? They're ruining the game, right? They're ruining the game. Now, were your comments based on the fact that these countries are predominantly made up of black citizens?
0: Well, it depends on what your
1: definition of black is.
2: Mr. President, it has been alleged that you paid Stormy Daniels $130,000 in hush money over a sexual encounter with her that you had in 2006, one year after you married Melania. How would you explain this indiscretion to your wife and two daughters? Nobody respects women more than I do. I respect women more than I respect men. Are the men insulted by that, by the way? We won with women. I love the women. I cherish women. Nobody respects women more than I do. Now, I have great respect for women. My my daughter, Ivanka, always says, Daddy, nobody respects women more than you, Daddy. I respect women. I love women. I cherish women. I respect women incredibly. Hey, Maddie, I do like the name Stormy Daniels. It has a nice ring to it. Very nice ring. Have you ever seen her body of work?
1: Uh, Not unless she has appeared in the first three minutes of any of her films. What would your
2: porn name be? Well, if you go by the approved formula, it would be Russell Dawson.
1: Well, if I went by the approved formula, it would be Michael Dunsmore. However, I did perform in college under the nom de plume Hung Wang, The Asian Sensation.
2: Well, that's good, but it's no Stormy Daniels. So, speaking of the formula, which, of course, as we all know, it's your middle name, followed by the name of the street that you grew up on. Now, I did a little research, and Trump grew up in Queens in the neighborhood called Jamaica Estates. So, Trump's poor name would be John Wareham.
1: Not very impressive. Maybe it should have been Jamaican Me Pee on you.
2: Oh, Jesus.
1: Thank you to all our fans for listening to episode 20 of Almost Wise Guys. If you like what you heard, make sure you hit the subscribe button on iTunes so you don't miss a show. You can also hit us up on our Facebook fan page for additional content and picks from all championship games across the NFL. Make sure you join us next week where we'll break down some Super Bowl prop bets, have some fun with NFL Super Bowl trivia, and a top 10 best of Almost Wise Guys bits from this past season. From the and Oster Studios, for Andy the Prognosticator Atridge, Attridge, back at Almost Wise Guys Central, I'm Maddie Buller. Get out and pick yourself a winner.
2: If you liked our podcast, please share it with a friend. If you hated our podcast, please share it with two enemies. Tune in next week, the same bet time, on the same bet channel. Sayonara. See
0: them walking hand in hand across the bridge at midnight.